Hey everyone, it's Dario Kristen with AfterBuzz TV. Did you know that TrueCar.com is changing car buying experiences forever? Yes, everyday TrueCar users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings. Although, some features are not available in all states. But it's okay. In the first three months of this year, over 126,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. TrueCar users save an average of $3,078 off of MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow these easy steps. It's just three of them. First, you go to TrueCar.com and find out what other people pay for the car you're looking for. Then register at TrueCar.com to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. The third step is so simple. Just print out your true savings certificate and take it to the TrueCar certified dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience overall. Remember, everyday TrueCar users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings. Save time, save your money, and never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. From the AfterBuzz studios in Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies, this is AfterBuzz TV's Salem After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. And now, another post-game wrap-up show for your favorite TV show, it's AfterBuzz TV's Salem After Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into the Salem After Show. Once again this week, right here on AfterBuzzTV.com. Season 1, Episode 11, entitled Cat and Mouse. We've only got, after this, two more episodes left for the entire first season of Salem. So thank you for joining us again today. I'm your host, Bobby DeMiro, joined by my lovely panel, Marissa Serafini next to me, and across the table, Anna Koppel and Jesse Owen. Hey, guys. Hey. Everybody (laughs) excited to talk today about a little Salem? Of course. Two episodes left in the season after this, so it's coming to a head. Luckily, we get a second season, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely winding down. You you can tell, like, the tension buildup is it's coming. It's coming. The the, the climax. (laughs) Two two words. Hashtag it's coming. Speaking of coming, let's talk about some coming attractions here at After Buzz. Maria Menounos' new book is out, The Every Girl's Guide to Diet and Fitness, How I Lost 40 Pounds and Kept It Off, and How You Can Too. That is in stores, on Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, and all those good places. It's doing very well. We're very happy about it. But if you haven't picked up a copy, if nutrition and health and fitness and stuff is your interest or you know somebody who might like it, this would make a phenomenal gift. Uh, Of course, she is the writer of author of the every girl's guide to life which did very well this is kind of the second installment in that series and it is doing very well too you can pick that up online pretty much everywhere so or if you if you actually go to a bookstore still you know it's at the bookstore in hard copy like we have here all right let's talk salem today you guys let's start with john john goes to trial and a lot happens with him uh we know when we left last episode, we know that he was taken to prison, and we first see Increase meeting John in prison and, and then talking to Mary, ensuring that Mary has no feelings for John when they're talking in the street. Obviously, Mary still has feelings for John, and Increase knows that. And is that maybe... I guess my first question for you guys, seeing what we saw today, does Increase know that John is not a witch and he just wants to get rid of him for separate reasons? I know we talked about it last week where Increase is trying to... Uh, tear away the people around Mary 
to eventually get to marry. Do we think that's still going on? I yeah. absolutely. I, I think so too. I think this is just another slow way to get to marry, knock off everyone that's closer. And I, also, I find it fascinating how. John's one of the only people that actually had trial compared to everyone else who's been accused and didn't have that the same right as John did. But we know Mary used her political influence in the community to, like, pretty much, you know, uh, put off in this, his imminent execution, I guess, you know, to, to really delay this. Do you remember the, the story that Increase told Cotton about he once had a friend who... Uh, he was in the same situation, and uh, and then later that friend ended up killing two virgins as a sacrifice. Was that? Do you feel like that was a real story, or did he make that up? I don't trust anything Increase says, so no. I think he made it up. Okay. Jesse? I don't know. I feel like the story could be real. Maybe that's why he doesn't give anybody a chance. Like, anybody who's accused, automatically, they're a witch. In his eyes. But, you know, it's interesting that he mentions that story because I actually thought it was kind of true. Because we've, we've been saying that Increase has been right this whole time. He's very accurate with all of his accusations. And then we hear a story when he was actually wrong. So this might have been one of the situations that led him to the path where just just accuse anyone and get rid of them. I can see it. I also think that... If it were true, if Increase actually had this situation going on, we know a lot more about him in the sense that witches are his only life's work, effectively, because this happened when he was a lot younger, he said. And so mm-hmm. from that point, from then to now, knowing how respected he is in general in the new world and the old world and knowing how feared he is, it's like he's just out looking for witches and that's the only thing he does. He's not actually that much of a reverend, it would appear. So he's literally going, excuse the awful pun, on a witch hunt at all times. And when you start doing that, you're going to start making mistakes and you're going to find witches when they're not there and you're going to persecute anybody because that's just what you think you should be doing. You're going to see everything around a dark corner that shouldn't be seen. Hence, my point being, he's wrong about John and I think if if this were true and if that story is true about his friend before – Maybe he's going to be a lot more wrong a lot more frequently and just lash out and try to convict everybody because he doesn't know. And and it's been lucky that he's been right so far. Yeah. Mm. And I think, you know, the audience knows that John isn't a witch. So I, I like the fact that, you know, he's accusing John of being a witch, but we're still having the, the two, three-step process to make sure that he isn't. Well, do you think he's maybe letting his emotions get in the way because he sees there he has that John has had this influence over Cotton that he maybe doesn't like because he did open with there's a time where I wanted you as my son that that's who I saw you as and okay let me I feel like maybe that's that that's where he's he's maybe coming from an emotional place because he doesn't like the sort of influence that he's had on Cotton he doesn't like that uh, he has this kind of hold on Mary, and he maybe doesn't like the sort of influence he has on the town. And, and I think that this might be an emotional thing for him. and that he, Not that he necessarily thinks he's a witch, but he just doesn't like who he is. Um, and especially because he might take it as like a, a personal betrayal because of who he thought he was. And to, and to piggyback off that, I think you could be right. And to piggyback off that, it's the, also the idea of who John's parents are and how several of the selectmen voted not to go to trial with John out of the memory of loyalty for his parents. And Increase wants to be the big dog in town. And even though John, in Increase's mind, John is probably not comparable to him, though he is a threat of some level. Increase is probably thinking, you know what, he comes from this family, he comes from a respected family, people in town respect him, I need to cut out his legs from under him so that I'm the only one who's respected and feared in town, absolutely. Yeah. Increase can't take competition. He's got to win, right? He has to win at all costs. Right. So, uh, 
Before we move on to some of this John stuff in the trial, one quick note. Michael Gardner spoke. Our buddy. Working, working, acting on Salem, he sent us pictures a couple weeks ago, and he said, I believe, yes, ma'am, twice to Mary when the scene came in where she was looking to go to the prison, looking to go into jail at night to talk to John. So said yes, ma'am, a couple times. It counts. It, it counts. It counts. It's awesome. It's more, yeah, more it's money. It's awesome. Made it through on the uh, on the show and, and whatever. That was cool. So good for him. I know he's going to be tweeting about it, so we got to say something. Uh, but let's talk about Mary and John. She goes to the jail in that scene, goes to the prison at night, and offers to arrange an escape for him. Uh, obviously still in love with him. Obviously still has obviously. feelings for him. But he says, I can't escape. You know, I refuse this offer. I'd rather – I don't want to run. I'd rather die here. And, and interestingly says, at least in my point of view, the thing about Giles Corey and says, now I know why Giles Corey didn't fight back. I don't want to legitimize this at all. And this is the John we saw in the first couple episodes coming back. Very level-headed, very skeptical, very normal in an unnormal world, normal in a bizarre world. And he's doing it again here and he's like, all the rest of you are crazy. I'm not only going to not fight the crazy – I'm going to step so far back from it. You can do whatever to me, but I am not going to acknowledge it because it's only going to make the hysteria worse. Yeah, exactly. I think is that, you know, if he acknowledges all this hype that's going against him is pretty much making his enemies win. And that way he's not giving them the satisfaction. And I think that's, that might be another, you know, way he's fighting this. His emotional battle be like, hey, I'm not going to give you that satisfaction. Do whatever. And considering the background he came from, and we don't know his whole story, and we saw in previews for next week that there may be something with with Indian country with him or whatever, but considering the violent background he came out of, I don't think anything physical that can be done to him really scares him that much. Yeah, and I think it's also, like, if he does fight, if he is resistant, that would make them fight back and push back even harder. So if he doesn't put up a fight, and maybe it would make everyone who's accusing him, you know, reconsider, hey, he's not fighting, he he is, no, maybe probably not guilty, then they would back off on their own. Although, what did detectives say? Detectives say that when a not guilty person gets arrested, they'll, like, rant and rave in their cell, and when a guilty person gets arrested, they go to sleep. So maybe John not fighting actually may be a sign of guilt, depending on how you look at it, even though we know yeah, he's not yeah, guilty. Maybe. I think but. the only way to get out of these situations in Salem, it seems, to either be a drunk or an idiot. And and John is neither of those things. Or lie and do what Tituba did and start dropping names. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't think John would drop names. Oh, definitely he, not. I, he wouldn't throw anybody under the bus. But, I mean, even though they're, this episode's about him being tried and all that, like... Let's be honest, like, John's not going to be convicted as a witch. Right. You know. You think Cotton can defend him? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, they're not going to kill John. Oh, I don't know that they'd kill. Mm. Uh, maybe something else will happen, but you think Cotton can defend John? I know we don't want to get too far into predictions, but I don't know if Cotton's got what it takes. <laughs> I don't know. I, th- I think he'll actually make... I, I'll go ahead and say my prediction. <laughs> Cotton will prove to his father that you know, he knows more about it and he can be a strong-willed man. And defend John for it. Okay. Well, let's talk about that trial with John because he goes in front of the selectmen. Of course, in Salem, it's not seven selectmen or nine or 11 or 15. It's 13. Because why not, right? Unlucky 13. It can't be another odd number. It has to be 13. How about George Sibley coming back and when he votes, he spits? Oh. Of course. 
Which is kind of weird that he, okay, he was able to call John out, spit, and communicate that way. Why doesn't he just say, hey, she's a witch? Or, or why doesn't he just nod? I understand if he can't yeah. talk, but if he can put his mouth and stuff enough to kind of turn and spit to John and spit a couple feet to John's foot, couldn't couldn't when they say, is John, do you want to try John, couldn't he just go and just yeah. give a really simple nod? Did he have to spit? I think they had to make a visual graphic for all of us. But, and, and the metaphor of spitting on a shoe. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, but I think it's also maybe George's way to get back at Mary for everything that Mary does. George knows how close uh, not Cotton, uh, John is to Mary. So this is just pretty much payback towards whatever Mary did to him. And it's, it's George. Like, I'm taking out the love of your life. Yeah, and as George finishing the job, he tried to take out the love of the life the first time John came back. And now George is like, Witch or not, whatever, mm-hmm. I got to finish this job anyways. Because back before the witch thing was happening with Mary, it, I still wanted to do this. But this guy is such yeah. a jerk. It's like all of, all of these years being spelled by Mary, being tortured by Mary and Tituba, like, and still, you know, John's done nothing. John's been gone this whole time. He hasn't been back for that long. And still, he just wants to spit on his shoes. It's... He's a jerk. No, I think <laughs> it's a jerk. I think it was, yes, it was a jerk move, but it's pretty much the overall vengeance that he has towards Mary. And Getting also, he might have heard, you know, Mary and John's little encore in the bedroom. He could have been mm. there for that, could have heard it. Oh, interesting. I don't know how coherent mm. he was at that point, but sure, yeah. why not? Because he would have been in the same home, right? Yeah, I, I really liked the little look that um, Increase and Mr. Sibley gave Mary when John was taken to jail. That was pretty... Well, because they know, and now everybody knows, and Mary's lost her power. And now Mary has lost her power in town if... if um, if George has his voting powers back for the selectman committee, Mary's Mary useless again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's a that's uh, she's been running scared for a few episodes, and she's going to be running much more scared now. That's a bad thing for her. And I think it's interesting how I believe the the whole selectman is just men now instead of Mary. Mary being the only woman now, it's all guys, including Hale. So Hale hesitated for just a second there, but voted how Mary wanted. Why would Hale have hesitated? Why wouldn't Hale have, have why would Hale have voted to send John to trial like he may have thought about when he hesitated as opposed to dismissing? Because he probably wants to get rid of John because John like interferes with the grand right. But, but is, isn't but there a better also, way to get rid of him? There might be, but also Magistrate Hale still wants his ally connection to Mary. Yeah. And I think that's another reason why he hesitated because hey, I still need Mary for this grand right. And if I say no against John, I'm gonna lose that. Yeah, I think so, too. And he's, if he's going to lose Mary or he's going to lose John, and he figures he can get John out of town maybe a different way or convince Mary of something else another way. But if John goes to trial, and not only that, if people keep going to trial for being witches, the heat only intensifies on the town as a home of witches. And one day or another, Increase is going to uncover Magistrate Hale or Anne now or mm-hmm. Mary or somebody else. And so maybe from Hale's perspective, if they can dismiss the charge against John – Increase may eventually say, okay, well, the list is drying up here. Maybe there's not as many witches as I initially thought. See you later. Obviously, that won't happen, but... <laughs> yeah, and, you know, knowing not to jump too far ahead, knowing that Hale is, he said it, a witch, and knowing that John isn't, then, you know, I think that's another reason, hey, I'd be calling myself a hypocrite if I said he's a witch and then really I am, I'm the witch, and he knows better not to say yes to John. Yeah. Now, the last focal point of John's trial or John's pre-trial or whatever that we should discuss in this episode, and it's more of a cotton and increase story, but how about cotton coming in and confronting increase while 
basically delivering a sermon at this event about witches and stuff and cotton kind of calling him out and flipping the tables and increase got very 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 defensive for the first time we've ever really seen it i thought it was awesome because i mean basically he what he said was true i mean cotton's like saying oh you're the person sitting next to you people in your family they could be witches you don't know and he basically said well what other form would the devil come in than the lord of the lord's cloak you know he would be a preacher to hide himself. So, I mean, I think he just got mad because, you know, he got slapped in the face with the truth. It's going to be interesting to me to see if Increase takes that literally or metaphorically. And what I mean by that is if he takes it literally and thinks that Cotton is accusing him of being a witch and there's a battle between Increase and Cotton, or if Increase takes it metaphorically or whatever you want to say and and sort of gets the message and says, okay, Cotton, I understand what you tried to do there. Your point is anybody can accuse anybody, and if it's convincing enough, anybody can go to trial, so I need to be more careful with my accusations. I don't know which way he's going to take it, considering that Cotton and Increase are now directly fighting each other over this John thing. In front of everybody. Yeah, in front of – that's a good point, in front of the entire town. public yeah. accusation. And Increase was defensive from the start. Cotton walked in and Increase said, don't give him your attention, don't get a rise out of him, whatever it was. So Increase knew from the start something was coming, and to me, if I'm sitting in town in, in a pew right there listening – I'm thinking, wait a minute, this guy Increase was real cool and real tough and had everything under control. What's he trying to hide now? And, you know, having Cotton being his actual son and actually family related, that people might actually believe him because he has that a deeper connection than anyone else would. He knows Increase better than anyone. And Increase even said that. He said, you know me well. How, know, how well do you know John? So Yeah. And Cotton's been in town a lot longer than Increase, has established relationships with townspeople that we haven't seen on the show. But I assume it would matter in that situation where if you're an average townsperson, you may trust Cotton a lot more than this newcomer Increase who's been here wreaking havoc. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Absolutely. Can I say that it was pretty disgusting how Increase was like, now that your whore's gone, I thought that was a low blow. I know. We're still sad about Gloriana. It doesn't look like she's coming back. (laughs) Oh, man. Poor Gloriana. Let's talk about Mercy now. Because Mercy has an interesting story. Uh, kind of disgusting story <laughs> in this episode. Feeding off feeding off dead people, sleeping with them. She's just cuddling. It tastes like chicken. <laughs> That's oh. what I thought. I'm like, hmm, just lick those fingers. That's you know? what I thought. <laughs> Who thinks that? <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that literally went through. I was like, yeah, it tastes like chicken. Is this a thing, Anna, but, you mentioned it when we were watching it. We've never seen another witch do this. This is the first right. thing. So is she gaining power from doing this? Is this just sustenance because she has to eat? Like, what was that about? I think she was just hungry. But she no. was snuggling with them. I think it's, like, literally her consumption of magic and how she's really embracing it all. And to the point that she's actually literally eating it. And then she she enjoys it. She gets a high out of it. And I found it interesting how she was, like, spooning with that one guy among a pit of dead uh, naked women, and that guy was the only one that was clothed. Did you I, find that weird? I didn't. I do notice that now, but I thought that the reason why she was like spooning with the um, the guys because she was trying to hide, basically. Like if someone were to come in the woods and find her, like she no, was hiding. I don't think she was hiding. She was getting comfort out of the dead people. She was just there for literally enjoyment. I, I took it as, uh, you know, I. I've seen witches depicted as having, you know, different powers and some of them like necromancy and, and uh, that she seems to really connect in in nature and and perhaps 
with the dead, and because she just seemed really, as you said, Marissa, comforted. Uh, she was like a, a little girl there, and and just seemed sort of safe and happy. Secondary question on this, and I didn't get a good enough look at it, and it probably wasn't, but was that Emily's dad? I thought it was. I thought it was, yeah. But wait, no, her dad got everything ripped off. I think it was the guy that, well, no, his face got ripped off, so who was that? It Maybe it wasn't a specific person. Maybe it was just a guy. But I thought for a second, could it be Emily's dad and there's something personal there because she contributed to his death or something? Or maybe it was just a human. I don't know. I thought it was Emily's dad because it might have been on some level of guilt, too, that you know she was in a way responsible for his death, too. So I think it was just her trying to comforting herself by hugging the dead person. But he had like limbs and stuff ripped off. I'm pretty sure this guy had arms. I don't know. It was hard to tell because he was close. Because he was on one side, too, so maybe the limb that was ripped off was the side he was lying on. Because he did have an arm on the on the top side. You're right about that. But yeah. I don't know. It was hard to tell in the jumble of, of bodies. Of, of, yeah, of <laughs> body parts. But Mercy, too. So she's in the forest. Co- or Increase, not Cotton. Increase goes looking for her with Isaac. We'll talk about him in a second as it comes. But the more I see Mercy, and we've talked about her a lot as, as a witch and kind of out of control and kind of a psycho and very violent prone, much more than any other witch, I wonder, and I don't know, so I'm, of course, speculating, and we haven't seen anything to this effect, but did Mercy get, like, a bad strain of witchcraft when she was brought in by Mary and them? Was she brought in incorrectly or something, and she is so much more out there and a little more violent and a little more crazy than the rest of them and everybody else is measured or is it just because she's a teenager still well i before she was brought in she was violently tortured by the witches and she's a teenager and the devil only speaks to those in the struggle in the first place so she has all of those things working against her trifecta yeah and she's a witch so, so she is all a witch. Of those things. And, and, and also, you know, Mary and Tituba, they didn't have the best homecoming and the initiation process for Mercy in, you know, starting her whole tri- well, trail of witchcraft that she's her path. But and, and I think it's just another thing that, like, she's just, she wasn't brought in correctly and she is mentally unstable. And so I guess that's what I'm wondering. Rogue. She's, she goes very rogue. If you're not brought in correctly, does stuff like this happen? You know, or is it just yeah. because? And I mean, Mary and Tituba, they, they they weren't fully dedicated to Mercy. They were already they brought her in for an ulterior motive, and darker purpose, and they weren't fully embracing Mercy as a pupil. Yeah. And Mercy didn't come in that willingly. She didn't embrace it like the other witches seemed to have embraced it. Yeah. Do you remember? Th- Mercy wanted to be a witch. Yeah, she definitely yeah. wanted to be a witch. But remember, like, she kept getting possessed by the snake. Like, the snake kept, like, crawling into her throat. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she kept saying, like, no, not again, not again. And, um, and then there was some conversation about, like, you know, the only way to... Um, to stop fighting this is to embrace it. And so, like, she finally did. But I think she went in, like, fighting against it, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she's very conflicting. Very she's very conflicting. And then she gets in this fight with Isaac. Well, Isaac wasn't really involved, but he, were there, he was there. He gets in this fight with Increase, and Increase starts throwing knives at her, and she gets stabbed. So what are the rules with witches when they get stabbed like this? She's not hurt at all? She's fine? It seemed like she was fine. I thought you had burn witches. Or, yeah. or at least one way yeah. to officially 
uh, vanquish them is burning. Yeah. And that was just a stab. I and mean, we, look so at I Mads, think you have to take more. Like, yeah, she yeah. Lived. You have to take more extreme measures to really off a witch. W- which wouldn't increase know that if he's going to the forest to track down Mercy, wouldn't he think? I-, I know I have a knife for my protection, maybe, but like I can't just stab her. You know, so when yeah. he throws the knife at her, but he wasn't looking to to kill her. He was looking to bring her back with him. Oh, to, I agree. Mm-hmm. But like, it still wouldn't incapacitate her if a stabbing isn't going to do anything for a witch. It's like why. And it's also interesting how Mercy didn't die as fast because she, being so new to the witchcraft, you think that she might be weaker, but it shows just how powerful she has um, become in the last few weeks. So she is really a witch, and we don't know the extent of her powers and how powerful she is. Yeah, and we do see in that fight scene with the knives, with the weapons, she doesn't get up like a human. She gets up supernaturally like a witch, and she sort of floats back up every time and kind of floats back and forth or whatever. So you can see powers or whatever point that is, you can see the supernatural in her come out. I feel that was like the devil's influence. Well, and she's now... I mean, Cotton already knew... Or Increase, excuse me. Increase already knew that she was a witch in his own head. Little did he know he was probably right. But now she's totally outed herself in the way she's moving around with him. A human couldn't float around like that. There's certainly something there. So he knows that's there. So he's definitely going back. He won't be going back with Isaac, though. Poor uh, guy. No. Well, he did actually bring Isaac back. No, no, the but... second. I mean, later, in a future uh, episode. Okay, yeah. He won't be he won't <laughs> be going back with Isaac again because Isaac wore it on this one. Can I say a part of me, like, really, really wanted, like, after Increase turned on Isaac, I was hoping that when Mercy was there, Isaac would have helped defend Mercy. Ooh, and just killed Increase? Yeah, I really, <laughs> I really wanted that to happen. <laughs> But I liked how Increase was very intuitive in that situation. It's like, why is he helping me? Why is he saying this is all for me when he really detests him? Yeah. So, I mean, that was good on Increase to pick that up. And it's smart on Increase to pick up, God love you, Isaac, you're an idiot, man. The character, not the actor. But he's not <laughs> smart enough to do anything on his own to think deeply. He's kind of just a useful guy. And Increase knows, wait a second, would he really go into the forest for anybody? Me or whomever else? He wouldn't go into the forest for anybody, so somebody's feeding this to him or somebody's prodding him to do it because he wouldn't think that far ahead to chase a witch into the forest from me. Even if he liked me, he probably still wouldn't do yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, okay, let's talk uh, Mary a little bit. Or excuse me, let's talk Anne and Hale. Anne and Magistrate Hale first because I want to get to Mary at the end. Anne, what do we say? She's a witch. She's a witch. She's a witch. <laughs> Yay! Are you, ha- are you happy about it? Yes. So now <sighs> she'll calm down and then join them and, you know, all good things will happen. She'll be a good witch. She'll be like Glinda. Yeah, I'm sure she will. <laughs> she'll be like, like Sabrina. Hell is not good. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> she'll be just like Glinda or Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Uh, hey, Sabrina's awesome. Sabrina is awesome. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, is she going to be old world or new world? New, New world. world. Well, no, wait a second. That's a good question because Magistrate Hale comes from the old world and she was not brought into witchcraft. It was passed down to her. And and it's not even like, maybe this is a distinction without a difference, but it's not even like she's a true witch. She just has the powers in her. So the powers come from the old world. Yeah. And I don't know if she needs to go through an initiation process or something to understand it or whatever to, to get her, like, witch certification card or whatever it is. But the powers are in here from the old world, so I don't yeah. know what that means. But also, I mean, she might have inherited powers from the old world, but she has the awareness of everything that's going on. And she is, I feel, deep down a good person. She would use it for the better. 
She would use it for good, not for evil. So she's like a Renaissance witch. Well, yeah, yeah. Can I can I throw can yeah. I throw a monkey wrench into you guys right now that I just considered? I didn't even think about it when I was watching the episode. What if Magistrate Hale, in the final scene, telling her that only people with powers can access the mask? Guess what? You're a witch. What if he's lying to her? Because if he tells her that you are a witch, only people with powers can access the mask. Guess what? That's going to prevent her from doing. Telling Cotton or Increase. Exactly. She will never go to Increase if she is part of the witch team. But the mom was like, you need to tell her the complete like, Maybe something else. Maybe that was a red herring and something else was the full story. But you're right. Well, spoiler alert, though. And spoiler alert, guys, seriously. Yeah. Uh, if you didn't watch previews for next week, the previews her, from next week suggest... Her eyes go red and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Which is crazy. Like she and might which, be. You know, okay, another prediction. <laughs> what if Cotton sees this happening and wants to protect his new love? You know. Is she his new love, though? <laughs> He's a sucker for ginger. He, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a quote of the after show. <laughs> I think, honestly, I think he's just lonely. I think that, because he wasn't even really that upset that she turned him down. He's like, nah. Next. I think he's only, and I think he's at the bottom of his barrel and he's like, uh. I tried. I tried. Yeah. I <laughs> can't do it. anything else. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. Just another failure to add to list. Oh. Which was God. sad. I mean. But I thought she wanted to be with Cotton. She's. She was playing him. She was playing oh, him. No. She's played John because we've talked about an interest with her and John before. She's playing like an adult and she's like 15 years old. So. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> she came to win. I don't know. You're, Anna, you're right about that, that because of previews next week, Hale is probably not lying to her. It would be interesting, though, because it would certainly keep her away from increase. And either way, truth or, or lie, uh, him telling her she's a witch, she's not going back to increase now. So that trail has gone cold because she's part of it now. You know, it's crazy is thinking back, like, you remember when Mary put that spell on Anne and, like, she was choking and got really, really sick? Like, it, it's, like, can other witches do that to each other? Like, that's this kind of spell. That's what makes me think that, like, Anne has the powers but doesn't have... But she doesn't know how to harness the power. Yeah, yet. the ability hasn't come in yet. She hasn't learned or been taught or whatever. That whole initiation process hasn't happened like it happened with uh, Mary, like it happened with Mercy. So maybe until then, she can still be affected or she gets affected more. I'm just curious if Mary knows as much as she does supernaturally, wouldn't Mary or somebody else be able to sense that Anne has some kind of power going on? I don't know, but I know that th- uh, now that I think about it, the devil made that remark whenever Anne got into put on the mask and came in, and it got dark. He was like, "Oh, you've come home, my child." Yeah, yeah. Well, I think her powers are very dormant right now, <laughs> and it, it takes a lot to actually have it come out. So probably we'll see that if it gets into prediction terror. But I want to talk about Hale and his backstory. Yeah, I thought that was interesting that you know he was eight years old and he saw his parents burn in front of him. I mean, that's got to be traumatizing. And I think it was that moment where he first realized he has supernatural powers and witchcraft. It made me think of, I don't know if you ever watch X-Men, but the mutants, when they get their powers, you know, it's periods of heightened emotional stress. And that was very stressful, traumatizing time in his life, which came came about his powers. How old was Tidova when she got her power, when she saw the red eyes? She was between eight or... 10. Young. Yeah. yeah. Young. Probably the same 
around the same age. Yeah. And the same idea of being an orphan or losing her parents in some way. So yeah. absolutely. And emotional stress, yeah. Yeah. And, and hey, who else on this show is an 8 or 10-year-old who has lost his or her parents in some way, wasn't talking for a while, John's new buddy? Yeah. Stephen. Stephen. Oh, yeah, right? We haven't seen mm-hmm. him in a while. We haven't seen him in a while. I'm not sure we're going to see him again or whatever. And this is a very far down the road, hey, season two, how you doing prediction. But maybe that's another situation like that. And you've got young witches in the brood. I don't know. Maybe. That is true. Huh, I thought it was really interesting too how um Tichuba and Mr. Hill came over like came over in the same kind of condition. Um they the plague. I don't know if Tichuba survived the plague, but I, he survived the plague. And said. and he was the one who then bought and sold her in Salem. So he came over on his own in that condition and then he remember the flashback we had last episode or two episodes ago, he was the one who kind of brought her and sold her and kind of ushered her into it. Is yeah. sort of a, a mentor, a father figure in the witchcraft. And Tidibus survived the plague. She's still alive. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, but I didn't know what was what sickness was going on like during while she was coming over. Yeah. Right. There were rats on that ship. Well, you know, I'm probably around that time was like smallpox and any type of probably hepatitis. Anything. I can't even imagine being on a ship at that time anywhere for whatever reason. Just whoo, being cool. somewhere like that for a month or two over. Ugh. Heck no. In, Un- in small confines like that? No. Nope. Uh, just, just can't even talk. I don't even know the words. Ugh. Uh, okay. Move on, Moving on. Um, let's talk cotton. Cotton. <laughs> has a chemistry set in his room. He does. It, it looks like he has, like, I always think, oh, cotton's gotten into chemistry, but then I realize he has, like, botulism waiting to happen is really what it is. He's <laughs> like, all these little bottles of whiskey, which I don't know if he's making himself or not, but... Sorry, guys. I don't know why I brought us right to here because it's been on my mind. But he has all these like little bottles of alcohol all over the place, which I don't think they sell. I think he's, he's taking them. You know what he's probably doing? He's probably taking them from airplanes. That's probably what he's doing. <laughs> right? You know those little yeah, bottles they give you on airplanes? Time traveling. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's definitely what it is. That's going to go with that as a fact. Uh, cotton, and, cotton and increase at each other's throats again, although today kind of... We should have seen this coming. I think this is one of those things you were talking about, Marissa. We should have seen it coming. <laughs> but thank goodness Cotton finally actually stood up to Increase. Not only the public thing when Increase was delivering the sermon about John's trial, but also in private when Cotton came to his door late at night and said, I'm going to defend John. Cotton finally has a friend in John. They've been buddies for a while now. and his Cotton, only friend. His only friend. And Cotton is now going to draw a line in the sand. I would hope. He said it. He said it, so I hope he does it. And he's going to defend John and, and, in his own way, become a man. And, first of all, sober up, too. I mean, he has to be be sober in order to be legit, to have a fair trial and stand off against increase. And his father. Yeah, well, they're the same person. But, yeah. So when he says defend, does that mean he's going to be John's attorney now? Pretty much. Wow, he's trade of all kinds, right? Mather versus Mather. (laughs) I think that that actually is going to be right up his emotional alley because he's uh, incredibly well educated and he's very book smart so if he can pull it together um, and, and sober up he's going to be able to out argue 100% anybody 100% and this is increase bullying people increase gets physical he got physical with Isaac today he got physical with the captain of the ship he's been physical a lot and when increase doesn't get his way he sort of imposes his will well guess what in a public trial in a public courtroom in this thing increase can't just go beating up cotton if he doesn't like what's going on i'm sure he might i'm sure it'll get physical <laughs> yeah. but you can't really do that and so this is an opportunity for cotton to outsmart his dad 
His dad wanted a man. His dad wanted a boy to become a man. That's why he wanted John Alden in the first place. He wanted more of a man who was more respectable, and he got in, and he got Cotton. Cotton is a book smart, kind of nerdy guy, kind of lost in his books and not a real world experience guy. His books are going to pay off yeah, big time. It's book smart versus street smart. Yeah. Or street psycho. Or, yeah, that too. <laughs> but it, it should definitely be an interesting face off. Yes. <laughs> I'm just ready to see increase go down. Like you didn't, you are. didn't like that scene with him burning a bunch of 14 year old girls. That was ridiculous. But we saw our girl Dottie. Did you see her in the background? Oh yeah, they were I all there. Yeah, he got them all, man. But um, I thought there was more girls than that. There's so there was four of them in that room. There's Emily Dottie. I don't remember the other two names. Elizabeth, I think, was one. I think there were four in that room. Yeah. Yeah, in the room. But how many girls have there been? Because I thought there were more. Were, like, I thought the there was like Mercy's six minions, or, pretty much. Or, I thought there were just four, was, uh, just but four. around there, yeah. Because yeah. whenever um, they attack the dad, uh, Emily's dad, like Emily's standing off, but there's still there's like, a lot Mercy of them. wasn't even there, so there was like more. I so, thought there was always four girls and Mercy. So, like, but with all Emily together five, and Mercy, then there would have only been what three three girls. Yeah. So and there was more than that attacking her dad. So I just wonder. Who were the other girls? Well, those girls have to get revenge on Increase now. Did he let them uh, go? What happened to them in the torture chamber? They're probably still there. Probably still hanging. Whew. Looking for mercy. That young girl is just chained up in his basement. It's weird. Y- to put it mildly. Yeah. It's crazy how um, <laughs> mind-possessed that they still are over mercy, how they think that they're she's this great, great it's, person. It, and that's so interesting is they don't even have reason to think it. They don't understand all of Mercy's powers, and they don't understand maybe how they manifest themselves, but they've already killed for her. But it doesn't appear that they literally know that she's a witch and there's witches in town. We haven't seen a scene where Mercy has told them any of this. So it's like Mercy's almost a cult leader at this point. They also have a weird idea of loyalty because they're they're standing there like Mercy's going to do this and she's going to do that and but if they were, if they're really loyal they wouldn't be selling her out like that yeah I think well they didn't give up the location it was uh, Isaac. Isaac that gave up the location well, so they were they were keeping it shut and still being scalded with water yeah but but they could deny that she's a witch altogether. Yeah. I think I think I, I think Increase already had his mind made up so much that for them to deny it would have been just wasting everybody's time. And, and also, we saw, and I believe in last week's episode, you know, Increase already knew that Mercy was one of the accused people by Tidaboa. and so because he talked to Mary and be like, "Hey, Mary was at, yeah, her, Mercy was um, one of the names too that Tidaboa gave me." And then we saw Mary saying, hey, "Mercy's not in right now." So at this point in this episode. Increase already knew Mercy was a witch. Now just trying to find her location. Yeah, and I also think that the girls have so much faith in Mercy and think that she can have all these powers and that she can protect them that they'll say anything because they think that Mercy is literally going to come save them. Brainwashed. Yeah, it's weird. It's a weird cult situation, and I can't wait to see more of those girls. And maybe that maybe because Increase got the location from Isaac, maybe Increase let him go. I don't know. I doubt, doubt it. it just because they didn't give up any information and he probably has in his head I wonder if these girls are witches now or. So, so he's just taking these girls from their parents all of them I know Emily doesn't have a dad anymore but the rest of the girls just boop gone he he doesn't care well, I guess, he, I guess I mean, he doesn't I mean he doesn't care 
Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, last thing, Cotton defending John. Uh, we talked about it a little bit, but a big last scene with him and with Anne being a witch and a couple good things to end with on the show. So the first question I have for you guys before we do news and that stuff is a little prediction-y, but is Cotton going to be successful defending John? Ana, you kind of said it already about using his brain, but how's that going to work out for him versus his father? Okay, it might get into predictions territory, but I think Cotton is really going to put up a verbal fight, and he's going to have more people in the town back him up, and therefore the majority wins against increase. I agree. I think, actually, that he's going to restore some sort of logic and reason into Salem in the trial, because uh, increase only has to go uh, with his crazy accusations and his uh, and intimidation and and Cotton is, is learned I guess we'll see alright hey let's get into uh, news and gossip After Buzz TV News alright we all got a couple pieces today I've got one quick one from monstersandcritics.com they spoke to Stephen Lang who plays Increase of course about his character asked him about the characters he's played in the past what Increase is like blah 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 and Stephen Lang had a couple interesting things to say first off he defended Increase in the interview he said quote to defend Increase I would point out that he has many admirable qualities he's a man of his word he leads from the front he inspires confidence in his people he is the head of security in a fundamentally insecure environment and so he is a true hard ass i wouldn't say confidence more so fear confidence through fear he <laughs> yeah. is a hard ass i'll agree with him when he says he's a hard ass but man of his word okay yeah uh leads from out front definitely Absolutely. Although it may not be good leadership, but inspires confidence and the head of security. Hmm. That's interesting. I mean, I I mean can see that if you want to pick out all the good qualities of an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse yeah. for the win. They also asked him about um, about a little bit more about increase and in playing some of the other characters he's played in the past. Uh, Stephen Lang said, quote, Increase is tremendous fun to play, highly intelligent, very passionate, very violent, duh, and the most self-righteous character I have ever played. And here's an interesting quote. He says, When I've played historical figures, Babe Ruth, Stonewall Jackson, I really try to capture the letter of the law as it were. I want to get the personal history right, the walk, the talk, the way he sits on a horse. But he said these creators of Salem are playing so fast and loose with history that he is just having fun creating his own increase. He's made him uber Puritan and almost Shakespearean in scope. So I yeah. mean, I would agree with that. And even those two previous, you know, those characters in themselves, favorite, you know, they're they were very misunderstood people, and a lot, not a lot of people gave them the respect and quality that they deserve. So I mean, he brings that to his character. I believe, like. He's very misunderstood. A lot of people don't see it in his perspective, his way. So, I mean, I think he's portraying it very well, though. And I will say, when you set a series in 1692, not many of us, save for maybe history professors, know a ton about the real Increase Mather. You don't have to be a baseball fan to know a little bit about Babe Ruth and kind of know some of the things he might have done or what he might have looked like because you've seen pictures. So when you play Babe Ruth in a television show or movie... You have to kind of stick to the letter of the law because it's a bigger focal point and more recent. When you play a reverend from 400 years ago, <laughs> it's probably right on the creators to take so many more liberties because we wouldn't know the difference anyways. So have fun with it and have a little fun doing it and let the actors kind of go crazy and increase is crazy. Crazy. Right. All right, Jesse. 
Um, well, anyways, mine's on uh, Stephen Lang as well. Um, he will be in the upcoming three Avatar sequels. Wow. That's pretty exciting. Well, directed yeah. by James Cameron, absolutely. Yeah. Do we know yeah. what character? No, he said he couldn't talk about it. Okay. So, um, that's exciting. That's really exciting. So there's going to be four Avatar movies. That's the other new. I mean, I guess we knew yeah. that sequels were coming, but yeah. it's a lot of work for him. Oh, yeah. But, well, the first one was amazing. Anything James Cameron does is pretty much amazing. That is true. And, uh, you know, that would really spike his career, too. I mean, everyone's going to be seeing that, and he's definitely going to be in the spotlight for a while. Yeah. And I, and I like his transition from, you know, well, I'm sure he's gone back and forth, but, you know, movies, having the career in movies and television, and that's a very solid career. Yeah. For sure. Oh, he's a good actor. There you go. Um, well, are you... Yeah, okay. that's it. Uh, <laughs> mine comes from Michelle Harvey um, at Laura Lee L-O-R-E-L-E-I-L-E-E, the, the number one. Um, Michelle Harvey, we know her better as the flashing Puritan, um, and we have pictures. There she is. Um, so Ooh. now, incidentally, Michelle Harvey is roommates with our friend Michael P. Gardner. <laughs> oh, there you go. So, um, so she sent me some messages. Uh, she's been on the show since the pilot. Said she auditioned to be one of the dancers in the goo orgy scene. Yeah, okay. yeah everybody remembers that, right? <laughs> um, and uh, but when they came back to film in January, she they turned her into a puritan. She has been that ever since. So we can kind of like go through these pictures as I'm talking about it. Um, the director said that. They wanted a picture of her in a bikini, which she didn't have. The casting lady, Kate, pulled her. Um, she told the casting lady she had a black bra and panties, and so they took a picture. She found out she got the part a few days later. Um, so she wasn't really sure, like, what she was supposed to do. Um, but she was kind of, she knew that, that Shane West was going to be involved, and she kind of imagined that she was going to be um like, stripping in John Alden's room. So the day comes... And wardrobe gives her, um, we can go back because that's, yeah, uh, gives her a cape, two pasties, a merkin strip, thigh-high stockings, and shoes. And she still doesn't really know, like, what's going on. <laughs> um, so she says, uh, so I had to pull the, the robe outwards to one side and keep one hand covering my private area. The director asked if I could take off one of the pasties so it wouldn't show. We did a practice run. Nothing showed. Just like it was supposed to. Um, first take goes smoothly. Second take, director asked me to pull the cape out just a little bit more at the waist. Do the scene. After I passed Shane West, I took, I looked down and completely exposed myself to him. Whoops. Um, <laughs> after that, asked for some double-sided tape. Oh, well, it's just a boob. Uh, so, so there she is. Um, and then if we can go through some more of these pictures, please. Um, so there she is as a corpse. And that's uh, that's Michelle with Brandon Braga, uh, who's a writer director. And there she and Michael together. Our buddies. Our buddies. And I don't know. That might be all the pictures that I have. So so there you go. Oh, and then also that um, that parasol that Mary was carrying around in this episode was Michelle's. Um, she Aww. just she just brought it to set one day so she could have a little shade, <laughs> and then um, the head Joseph, the head of wardrobe, stopped her and asked if uh, if it was for sale. So she ended up selling it to him. Wow, nice! She That's said, a good story. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, she said it's a uh, it's an eighteen sixty folding parasol. Wow! <laughs> she has wow. two more, so I don't know if those other two are for sale, sale or not. But <laughs> maybe they'll show up in the show. Maybe they will. Very nice. That's so, good cool. stuff. Cool. Good tweets from them too. All right, guys, let's get into predictions. <laughs> and now. You're after Buzz TV predictions. 
All right, Jesse. I know you kind of dropped all your predictions already, but what else you got for us? I'm going to go ahead and predict that Cotton will beat Increase in court. John will be freed, and the people will start having a lot more respect for Cotton, and they're going to drive Increase out of town. That's what I'm going to say. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to argue with you, but I'm going to go ahead. I predict a return of Gloriana. Um, yes. Only because they keep reminding us that she was once there and that she left. They they show us that in the pre or uh, in the you know last time on Salem, <laughs> they keep reminding us. So they keep reminding us for a reason. Like she's still gonna be around. Smart yeah. woman. And hopefully she'll return after Cotton has banished his father. Jesse and I agree on this point. <laughs> well, okay. I think because we did see in the previews, uh, Anne has some internal you know, demonic thing within her, you know, her supernatural powers. But I think Increase might find out about Anne now being a witch, and then it's going to be Magistrate Hill defending his daughter versus Increase before we even get to the whole execution of John. So we're going to see another fight going on. I agree that we're going to see another fight going on. It's not that one, though. I think... (laughs) That John, we saw in the coming attractions that Increase confronts John about his past with Indians. And I think that Indian past is going to come to light and John will be indefensible by Cotton for something that he did to the town or with the Indians against people in the New World. Not as a witch, but as a human doing something very, very, very bad. John's bad past will come out to light and Cotton will be unable to defend him. It's going to ruin their friendship. And John will not be guilty as a witch, but he will be guilty for something else because of that Indian past. And the town will look at him completely differently. It'll be a completely different trial. Yeah, and yeah, they might. That's a good point. They might have a completely different trial that's not which related. So, mm. all right, social links, what stuff you're into, Jesse, where are we at? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Miss Jesse Owen. You can follow me at Copple for Mayor, K O P P E L F O R M A Y O R. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Serafini TV. And I'm on Twitter at Bobby DeMuro. Marissa and I are having withdrawals from Pen- Penny Dreadful having uh. ended. And we've only got two more episodes of Salem with these two. So we're going to go through major withdrawals this summer. So tweet us, you guys, if you have a new show you want us to do or something new is coming out. We want to hear from you. Absolutely. Pound it. That's it on the show this week. Remember, if you're on iTunes or YouTube, hit subscribe, rate us, comment, do all that good stuff. We really appreciate hearing from you. We'll see you next week. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 